for coaches, by coaches, this is Soccer Chat with Nick Rizzo and Sean Sauterly. Brought to you by social media for high school athletes. What's up, everybody? This is Soccer Chat, your weekly soccer coaching podcast. Brought to you by some great friends every single week. Our friends over at Dutik Brand. Check out dutikbrand.com. At Soccer Chat, we're members of Dutik Brand FC. Check it out, dutikbrand.com for all your coaching accessory needs. Great t-shirts, great beanies, great pins, training cards, notebooks, and fantastic packages of notebooks along with coaching education manuals. They are fantastic. Go check it out, dutikbrand.com. Use the promo code SOCCERCHAT for a sweet discount. That's dutikbrand.com. Use the promo code SOCCERCHAT at your checkout. Shout out to our friends over at Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com. It's the greatest ball pump you will ever get in your life. I actually was talking to a local coach this evening who had your old school hand pump, and I was like, what are you doing? And they were like, this is my ball pump. I'm like, no, you need this. And I pulled out my Torx, showed it to him, and they were like, wow, this is incredible. I was like, you need to get one. Check it out, T-O-R-R-X.com. For the Torex ball pump, it is the greatest, single, most important thing you need as a coach. They're absolutely incredible. And when you get one, make sure to let them know that Nick and Sean sent you. He's Nick. I'm Sean. This is your weekly show of soccer chat. Nick, what is going on, my man? Nothing. We're like in the middle of our season and we're about to start conference. So, yeah, I don't Life's really weird right now. It's just kind of in a, it's just like, I don't know, like, it's, it's always weird when you get halfway, like we're not, we're one game less than halfway through our season. And that's, it's always so crazy because you spend the year preparing for this entire season. And now we're eight games in already. It's like, holy cow, where did that, like, where'd the season go already? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was thinking about that with um, some of the local high schools in my area um, are st- like this week and next week are starting senior weeks. So I'm like, it's, it's I guess time for the state tournament already. Like we just started school and then, you know, obviously it's the end of September, but like, like man, like I feel like we just started school and how is it already soccer season's over with, but it, it's, it's crazy how, how fast that time flies. And I think that is something you bring a very good uh, point about like as a school coach, whether it's college or high school, like you do spend like an entire year planning for like eight weeks. Yeah. And it's like, uh, all right, we're done after that. Then you use the rest of the year to plan for eight weeks for the following year. Yeah. And it's again, it's just funny because like we're going through the same thing every coach is going through right now where it's like like you're starting to break some hearts and it's the worst. Like I think players sometimes think that like we sit there and like we look and we're like, yeah, I can't wait to not play this girl. Where it's the exact <laughs> opposite where, you know, you you get home and it's funny. We, we're actually having a pretty decent season and. I get home every night and all I do is think about the girls that I did not play that day. And you, okay. So what is your mindset when you get in that? How do you, how do you recover back into not worrying about that? I don't know if I ever am not, not worrying about that. I mean, double negative there, but it's, I, it doesn't prevent me from doing the things in the game that I need to do to be it hopefully successful when we play. But it definitely like we leave I every game I leave and I we're six one and one right now. And I leave every single game like just thinking about the girls that I didn't play. Like I feel like I need to do a better job because I'm not even enjoying the fact I think enough that like we're we're actually having a pretty good year right now. Yeah, you're doing something wrong. Like you're six one and one. There's a lot of teams that would like to be six one and one right now. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And again, like there's teams that definitely play diff- more difficult schedules than we do and, 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 and different things like that. But it's, yeah, it, it's an interesting time of the year because I truly do believe sometimes our players think that like I go home and I'm just like, yes, so excited and play her at all today. And it's like, no, no, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's the toughest thing we go through. Like making travel rosters, making anything is it's, it's brutal. And I, I don't, I think as a player, I look back at my own experiences and I sometimes you view this, your coaches, this this person who is making decisions solely based on you. And you kind of forget that you aren't the center of the universe, you know, like that, that there are other, other things that revolve around you, but it's hard when you're 19 years old to see that. Yeah. What is, I feel like you're a guy that, um, you have that conversation with a player like the day after. Like maybe you're at training or whatever, you're like, hey, you know, about yesterday, this is basically what we had game plan wise. This was working. It just it just didn't work out. No. And like I've done it this year where like there was a game earlier this year where I went up to a player after the game and I apologized. I go, I think I got that one wrong today. I think you deserve to be in the game. Um, and in the one of those players that I talked to as she was a freshman this year and she we played eight games she's played in six of them and two of the games in the beginning of the year I don't think she played in our second or our third game and then last Saturday I think she played 60 minutes out of 90 for us in a game that was a, a good win for us against a and against a solid opponent and but I still remember like after we played I think it was the third game of the year and I I looked at her after the game and I was like crap I I, like, sometimes with freshmen, you just kind of forget how special they can be and how how impactful they are, especially when you have a big roster. And I still remember talking to, I don't mind saying her name, I talked to Kaylee after the game and was like, yeah, no, I, I think I screwed that one up. And in our game last Saturday, we played a, a decent team on the road, a, a really solid team on the road. Um, and we beat them 4-1. And she was, I think she played 60 minutes that game out of 90, which is huge for a freshman, especially with our team who's not that young this year. Did she remind you that the ball doesn't know how old she is? <laughs> no, it's true. That's I, I honestly she should have. I, I'm sure I said that. <laughs> I'm sure I've said that to her at least a, a dozen times. But yeah, no, and like that was a cool thing though, is like you get kids like that that like I have kids on my team that when I sub them off, they pout. You know, they 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 aren't happy. They I think they struggle to find happiness in the team success. But then you have the other kids like this kid who literally didn't play in two games and two pretty important games in the beginning of the season, our second, third game and showed up the next day in training and worked her butt off and got a little bit more time. And then showed up the next day in training, worked our butt off again, got a little bit more time. And then when she got her chance, she started in the second half on Saturday and took so much advantage of it, played an awesome second half. And it just, you, you, you want to like point to those kids and be like, this is to any player. If you think like the coach is screwing you over, just, keep working at it. You know, like there's, you never know if you show up every day in training and you make their coaches like difficult, there's a chance you get it. And when you get that chance, take advantage of it. And so, it, I mean, again, it's, we're all going through this. Every coach in the entire country is going through battling which players they should play, which players they shouldn't play in every single game that they go into. And it's the players that make it difficult us in a good way that they show up every single day and they work hard and, they they just make your life horrible in terms of like yeah I have to get that player in the game. That's the players that you want on a team. That's uh, that's very similar to a um, Christian Pulisic article I read this morning. Um, 
where they interviewed a bunch of Americans who had played in the Prim, like Brad Friedel, um, Casey Keller, and Landon Donovan. And um, it was really interesting with what you just said and the difference in what those three said. Um, and mainly two of them were on the same page and one was not. And I'm, I'm going to let you guess which one was which. Uh, so there were two two former players who said, uh, you know, the, the Premier League is tough. And, you know, there's no politics. It doesn't matter about how much you were paid to come over. It doesn't matter about how much you're getting paid from the team. If you want to play, you've got to train and be better than every person that's out there. You've got to be the best, the top 10 players on that field at training all the time if you want your coach to play you. Um, and then there was another person who was like, well, if you're not going over there, if you're going over there at a high price and they're not playing you, something's wrong and you need to go somewhere else. Who were the um, three again? It was Casey Keller, Brad Friedel, and Landon Donovan. I feel like Landon was the one that was the the outlier. Yeah, he was. Oh, it made me so mad. Um, cause, and, and Brad and Casey both made, you could tell like they had done their research and were like, you know, uh, you know, you know, he wasn't bought when Lampard was the coach. He was bought before Lampard was a coach. And when Lampard becomes the coach, well, they get to keep all these guys that were with him at Derby that was sent on loan. Like those are his guys. He's used to them. He knows what they can do. He doesn't know what Christian can do and where can Christian show him what he can do in training every day. Show him that he's better than Mason Mount. Show him that he's better than all these other guys. And he's better than Pedro and he's better than William. Because in England, if you're not showing and training that you're better than those guys, you're not going to play. They're like, it's not like American sports where, oh, well, we're paying this guy $40 million. We have to play him. No, in England, you're not training, you're not playing. Uh, so that's it, kind of a, I, I like that. Like, if, you, if you're not happy about your playing time, work harder and practice. Yeah. Well, and again, like, I mean, I, I talk with you all the time about like, it's, like I like from my own experience, I I have the best. I my favorite coach. I or I shouldn't say my favorite, but one of my favorite coaches I ever had was my U twenty three coach. And I remember I got asked to come try out for this team, and I I knew I was going to be one of like two Division three players on the team, and I I was so hesitant to go because I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be the D three kid, and I'm just going to have to sit there and like just like ride the pine and just do it. And I remember the first day of training, I had a great day of training and the literal next, like next weekend we had a game and I started over kids from DePaul, over kids from Western Illinois, over kids from Loyola. And I remember being like, holy cow, like you can actually like your merit decides what you do. And I, and I, sometimes I think players just think that there's just this evil plan that is going on with the coach. It's like, no, no, every coach wants to win. You know, like we're not making decisions that we don't think are going to help us to win. It's just, it's sometimes hard to see when you're the player not benefiting from those decisions. Well, I, I don't know why anybody would be surprised that you started after your first practice when um, anybody who's listening to the show, I mean, we know how great of an athlete you are. <laughs> That's, I don't know. I was, you, are, you are above solidly average in every sport that you play. I that's I mean, I don't know if that makes me any better at soccer, but yeah, no, if you ever need a random pickup person like darts, pool, basketball, <laughs> softball, like I won't be the worst player on your team. Just just know that I won't be the worst. <laughs> but you've got hustle. That's for sure. I got a lot of heart. Oh, man. Uh, you know, a lot of big things coming up. Got a nice interview for you uh, coming up here a little bit and uh, some more. Uh, stuff for you about convention coming up in January so stay tuned
Each week, big guests introducing you to, to new faces, new names, or maybe old faces, old names, whatever it may be. Uh, but if you have been a part of Soccer Chat, our, our Twitter chats on Wednesday nights, uh, if you go back in time, one of, uh, I think to use the term that Nick and all the kids use, is, is one of our OGs uh, is, is our guest this week. And we have with us from Wayne State College, it is Mr. Joe Cleary. Joe, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? We are fantastic as Nick Steffes' face, and if you know Nick, you know that's what he does best. Uh, constantly is eating, but you would never know it because he's still as uh, scrawny as a crayon. But, uh, but that's besides the point, also because he runs 26 miles a day. But, uh, you know, with Soccer Chat, and you know, I know you've listened to the show, and, and you're a big participant uh, in our Twitter chat. So, you know, in order to know who you are the coach now, we've got to know how you got to this point in your career. So if you would, just kind of give everybody a uh, quick background on you. Uh, yeah, I'm from Bismarck, North Dakota, originally. Um, Whoa! I think our first North Dakotan is is it is a North Dakotian or North Dakotan? North Dakotan, and I'm North not surprised Dakotan. because so, you know soccer is not a huge sport up there. Um, but that's where I started. That's where I grew up. That's where I played soccer, and then uh, instead of playing soccer in college, um, I just got right into coaching. Started at like U10 boys. And literally worked my way up and just took chances of being like a volunteer assistant high school boys coach and then a paid assistant high school boys coach and then and then volunteering college and at the at the University of Wyoming and then kind of working my way up, did a division three assistant job and then D two graduate assistant, then D two assistant job at Wayne State, and then got promoted when uh Bruce Erickson took the UNI job because he was who I worked for here, who you guys had on a while ago. Bruce is the man. Bruce is the man. Oh, yeah. Bruce, Bruce is the man. <laughs> I, and I love the fact that every time I see Bruce, he has the same jump man hat on the black on black jump man hat. <laughs> every single time I see him, whether it's on, I, if I'm watching uh, you and I on ESPN plus, he's always got it on in the game and in his interviews working camps with him. He's always got that so much that I went out and got my son the exact same hat. <laughs> I call it, the, I call it the Bruce and nobody in my house gets it, but, but me, but, uh, oh, yeah. you know, you, you kind of match, um, you know, a different version of like paying your dues. Kind of like we talked about last week, uh, with our guest, Tim, you know, he, he paid his dues in, in a little bit different ways, but you know, for you growing up in an area where soccer is not prevalent, um, you know, what was that, you know, growing up playing soccer in, in North Dakota, what was that? How, how did that get you to where you're at now? You know, what was that? Uh, you know, were you, did you have to go far to play since it's, you know, probably not like a big thing or, or what was just like a, what, what is being a North Dakotan soccer person like? I think the, the cool thing about North Dakota soccer and just the, the communities that have soccer, like, I mean, you know, Bismarck where I grew up is 75,000 people. Now it wasn't quite that big a few years ago, but uh, the soccer community is not big, but it's super passionate. And I think that that's really what helped is it was a small community, like a small coaching community. I mean, one of the coaches who helped mentor me as a young coach was my U13 coach, like when I was a, a player. Um, so like while the, the community isn't big, uh, it's really, really passionate and, 
And I think that really helps stimulate growth for players and coaches who want to want to excel in the game. And, and because there's really only probably four or five true soccer communities, like cities that have soccer, like at like a club level, um, you get, you get to know everyone in the state that's a soccer person. Um, so that, that's kind of cool. And again, that fosters for those who are excited about it, which isn't a lot of people, but it fosters, <laughs> it fosters growth that way. And, and even the school that I graduated from has a lot of coaches that came out of it and through the ranks and things like that. So it's, it's pretty cool in that respect. You mentioned that, you know, not playing in college and, and, you know, went straight, straight into coaching. Um, you know, what was that, what was that transition for you going straight from playing at such a young age into coaching? And like, when was it that you knew like, okay, like this is what I wanted to do. Um, when I first started coaching when I was 19 and then I was coaching U10 boys, I did it because my dad told me I needed to get a job. And <laughs> that that, that definitely works. That's a good reason. Right. Except that the job, like when I coached U10 boys, like it's crazy that I see the amount of money that people make coaching club now. Cause, um, or even what I made when I was a director of coaching very briefly, but it was like, Hey, we'll pay you $600 to coach this U10 boys team for the entire summer. Um, and I was like, as a 19 year old, I was like, Oh, that's awesome. I'm getting paid to coach <laughs> soccer. And then, um, when I was coach an assistant coach for a high school boys team as a 19 year old, that was weird. Cause I was only a year older than a lot of the seniors. And I, it was a, for a high school that I didn't play for or didn't even go or wasn't even from that city. So that made it a little bit easier. Um, but it was definitely, definitely a transition. Cause I just was like still in player mode and wanted to be like one of the players, one of their friends when I was younger um, but when I really started to transition into, uh, that I wanted to do it for a living was when I became like a paid assistant high school boys coach where I was only making, you know, a couple thousand dollars, but I probably put like triple the time of what I was being paid into it Yeah. and it didn't matter. And I just wanted to coach all the time. Like I coached year round indoor soccer, girls, high school, soccer, boys, high school, soccer, club soccer in the summer. And I was like, I have to find a way to make this work where I can actually, uh, make a living doing it. Um, so, and then, and then I went down to the university of Wyoming and did it for free for a year. And I was like, Hey, if I can do this for free, I can sure as heck try and find a way to make money doing it. That's for sure, man. That's for sure. Well, you mentioned about like being 19 and being offered $600 as coach. And it made me just think of like, it took me like three and a half years of coaching before somebody gave me a check. Like either I'm that horrible or I was just in the wrong places at the wrong time. <laughs> and uh, then the next, um, the next year after that, the a new dad came in as the team manager and he's like, Hey, what'd you make last summer? I was like, Oh, like 200 bucks a month. And he's like, did they pay for your travel? And I was like, no. Like, so I was like bunking up with like three other club coaches on the road and like, you know, staying at like crappy hotels. So we could at least not lose money from our summer. Yeah. Of coaching. So. That's it. I, I always like hearing, the the road stories and and the 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 paths taken when it comes to coaching and and how many of us have had that where you know we we've all bunked up i know like uh you know just recently like with convention like we put like seven of us no i take that back we put six or five of us in a room nick uh you me ian b aaron that five that was all. yeah okay so like you know and here we all are you know fairly young um, you know, we're all just crashing together, trying to, 
trying to get things in and, and, and save a little bit of a little bit of guap when we can. So it, it's always interesting to hear those stories of how other people do it because it makes me travel back and go, oh, like I can remember my first year's coaching, paying for my hotels, paying for my gas, uh, you know, and out here coaching three times a week on top of the weekends. And like my mother being like, you ever going to make money on that? <laughs> and me being like, can you? And then the first time I got a paycheck, I was like, what is this? My, my dad, my dad, when I told him I wanted to be a college soccer coach, goes, oh, what are you going to do for your real job? And I was <laughs> like, I'm going to do that. Right. <laughs> I, I, I always tell people, you know, when I tell people I'm a coach and that's kind of the same thing I get is, hey, well, OK, well, what else do you do? And I'm like, that, that doesn't matter. Well, I want you to know, like, this is this is what I do. And I think it's it's um, when you get that first uh, I can remember the first time I got paid. And this this would be an interesting topic for for soccer chat one night. I can remember the first time I got a check uh, for coaching. And I remember coming home and like rubbing it in my mom's face. Like, look at this. I got paid to coach. Look, oh, look, I am I am in it right now, um, except for the fact I didn't know I got paid like once every six months. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking, hey, I'm going to get this every two weeks. All right, sweet. I am. This is what I want to do. Uh, I, I was the same as Joe. Like I started like when I was in college, and, like you did too, Sean. And like so, when I got my first check, it was for like because I was I think I was making thirty five hundred bucks to be the head varsity coach of a team. And I remember I got it was like an eleven hundred dollar like check, and I was like, this is the most money ever. Yeah, like, I would like I, I, <laughs> I, I, I cast it and like not cash it. I like I deposited it and I took out like a hundred bucks cash and I was buying everyone beer that night. So I wasted <laughs> a tenth of my paycheck buying all my friends beer because I'm like, guys, I'm rich. Like I have eleven hundred dollars. <laughs> I am loaded. <laughs> I think coaches. I do. I think coaches have a different appreciation for money because you, like you said, you get like that eleven hundred dollar check and you're like. Oh, I'm I'm making big bucks now, like because you <laughs> no, just like let's I mean, be like, honest, when I was let's at the University of Wyoming, get that eleven hundred dollar check, we all look at it and go, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then those of us who are married are going, well, just going to give this one to the wife. <laughs> I mean, like I when I first got my first paycheck as the assistant coach at Wayne State, and then I like paid rent. I'm like, man, and I saved up like a ton of money my first year, and. My parents were like, oh, you must have been budgeting really well. And I was like, no, kind of just living how I used to live and not spending any money, really. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just accidentally saved money. Yeah. It's, always, it's, just... it's always good about like when you hear about like people's paychecks and stuff like that. And it always comes back to the whole thing, like with coaching education, like how am I supposed to pay for this? Like y'all know what we, we make as coaches, like, you know, half these courses, like that's one paycheck for half of a year, like. When you know what we pay, make it more towards our uh, towards our, our our stipend. What we make. Yeah, I mean the the only reason I was able to get my C license in like 2013 was because uh, part of my deal with the University of Wyoming was Coach Quadrado said that if I worked the entire year, that he would send me to Phoenix to get my C license. Nice. Although part of me would be like, you can just put that money in a paycheck. Well, I mean, <laughs> while I was there working like two other jobs and donating plasma, I was like, man, maybe I don't want my C license and I just want that, that <laughs> right three grand. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, it it's, I love like you know we we said a show like we love hearing people's stories and things like that. 
you know, in your time, you know, starting off as a young coach and, and you know, and, and doing the assistant thing, doing the volunteer assistant thing, doing the grad school thing, you know, where was it um, for you when it kind of clicked and was like, okay, like, I want my own program one day? Um, I think it was while I was the, I, I think, I mean, I really got into it at the University of Wyoming when, I mean, Coach Pete, Pete Quadrado, even as, like, a volunteer assistant, like, yeah, I had to do some of the grunt work, like, you know, oh, yeah, pump up 300 soccer balls for camp um, so we can give them away and, and all that stuff. But I also got to do a, the video scouting for us. Like, I got to watch the teams. Be, and, like, they were like, hey, what's the scout? And, and they just kind of trusted me on a lot of that, on some of that stuff. And, and also just watching film individually with players. And, and when I got to actually do that stuff and work individually with players and, and work in small groups with the players, I'm like, yeah, like, this is what I want to do. And then as I, you know, became a graduate assistant coach, I started to say, like, all right, like, I'm ready to keep going and keep moving up. And I, but I did, I definitely learned, like, taking over Wayne State. <clears throat> uh, you always think you, uh, like, when you're the assistant or when I was a graduate assistant, now I feel so stupid because I was like, oh, I can't believe we're doing it this way or why don't we do it this way? Like, this is how we should do things. And then, then you're the head coach, and all of a sudden I go back on all those scenarios where I had different opinions, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why we did it that way. Like, you're not so much of a know-it-all anymore, I think, when, <laughs> when you finally get your own program. Oh, like, I mean, honestly, I was talking to my assistant about this the other day. I go, there are so many things that are easier to say that you should do than actually do. Like, like for example, like, it was like, oh, well, like, just don't start that player. You know, like, oh, like, just, yeah, throw that girl in the lineup. Or, like, you know, like, do this, do that. And it's just like, yeah, don't, don't travel that person. It's like, okay, well, like, I, I understand, but, like, there's a lot more that goes into this decision. But, like, I would do the exact same thing when I was an assistant. I remember being, like... When I, my first job was a volunteer assistant at Loris where I went, where I played. And I remember like me and the, my other friend who were just graduated, were helping out coach Rothard. And like, we were like, yeah, like, why don't you just not play that person? Like, they're not good. Like, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, there's so much more that goes into every single one of those decisions that you're like, oh, like now that I'm like in this other spot, like it's a lot, like it's, it's a lot more difficult. Yeah. Or like, or like why don't we just change the schedule to do this? And then, you know, like, I'm like, well, you know, when you change the schedule on a group of uh, very organized young women, they very, like, don't like that very much. No. No. <laughs> we're practicing on turf this week, and we're starting 45 minutes later than we normally start, and it's like I changed the entire world. Like, <laughs> You know, like I, I told them that like that gravity wasn't real, you know, like it was just it's it's it feels like everything changed this week. And I'm like, no, it's just it's 45 minutes like further back because like we can't just take the turf field like it's the football team's field. We have our own field, but like we have to practice on turf this week because the field we're playing it on Saturday is on, on turf. Yeah, we had to move practices to the mornings uh, this year just because I have crazy lab times and. I have a bunch of really smart kids who take really smart classes and um, uh, they're like, so we play, we practice on our turf, but we play on grass. And when I made that change kind of late in the day, it was like, you know, it was a big to do for a lot of people, but we, we, we survive. 
you know? Yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, well, I guess that, like that's kind of a, it's an interesting uh, path that we go on here. Like what were some of the things that like as an assistant coach that you questioned or you had ideas about that? Like now as a head coach, you have a little bit different perspective on. Um, Definitely kind of like the, the vein that you were going in, like, well, we shouldn't play that player or well, why don't we just leave that player at home or even like um dealing with maybe like an athletic trainer or dealing with a strength coach or dealing with administration of being like well why don't you just go and ask them for this or tell them that you want to do this and like it should just be okay you know um and not really realizing that there's a ton of moving parts of 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 what you want to do um trying to think of specific examples I just think like even in just the managing of players, I, I think that it's like you said, it's way easier to say how you should manage a player when you're the assistant, um, especially if you haven't had head coaching experience. And then. And then like then what you do as a head coach. Yeah, like and I, I, I've definitely found that out. I've, I've definitely found that out the hard way. Like it's been a good learning experience for me. Oh, I like no joke. I have called and apologized to two of my bosses. Like, and I don't think I was that bad to be honest, but I, I, I had a conversation with my first ever boss, like after coach Rother, um, my first boss that wasn't a Loris coach when I was working for Amir St. Clair at Aurora. And I had a conversation with a week or two ago, literally just called him out of blue. And I was like, Hey man, like I'm going through it right now. And I remember when you were going through it and I don't think I was probably the easiest person to deal with. Cause I just kept saying like, yeah, dude, like, I don't know why you're playing this player. They aren't good. Like, why are we even talking to them? Like, just let them go, blah, blah. And it's like, when it's your program, there's so many things that change about your commitment to every single player as opposed to when you're like a GA or an assistant. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, and I think even my first year at, at as the head coach at Wayne State, I called or I, I just was, I did it probably wasn't as active as yours was, but it was, I was having a conversation with my old head coach up at the university of Mary, uh, actually both of the head coaches. Cause I coached on the men's and the women's side at different points. And I, and I said to both of, uh, Sarah and Dave cook, I was just like, man, like it was way easier to say that we should do these things when you're not the one who has to answer to, to them, you know? <laughs> No, for sure. And that, no, and it makes a ton of sense. And I think it's, uh, it, it was honestly, it was super eye opening for me. And that's why I always try to like remind the players and stuff like that to be like, listen, like, all right, I know these are things that are easy to say, but like, imagine trying to say that to this person, like say it exactly how you said it to me, but pretend that I'm the person that you have to say it to. Um, and I remember the first time I made my assistant Katie Reese work, uh, she, she was the head coach of our reserve game and she like had, she came up to me at halftime and like, I was there in the same way that she's always there for me to bounce ideas off of. And she's like, well, what do you think if I start so-and-so in the second half? And I go, no, I thought you had a great first half. I think that'd be a good idea. She's like, well, who should I bench? And I go, well, that that's the one that you got to decide. And she's like, okay, that sucks. And I was like, yeah, no, it totally does. Well, and yeah, and I think, and I think you, you, you make the, yeah, just even in-game decisions. Like I made a really poor in-game decision on Sunday of our game. And I think as an assistant coach, you just, you just think like, Oh, why didn't we do this? And then, but as a head coach, you're thinking about like the ramifications and the repercussions and all this stuff. And yeah, I mean, 
it it definitely definitely adds a lot more uh maybe second guessing at times but also just I, I think it's good thought too deeper thought about what you're doing and why you're doing it yeah no for sure all right and i and I kind of switch gears i'm gonna ask you a question that i got asked on uh the 343 podcast one time and I, don't worry this isn't meant to be a trap question i just I was curious because I was looking at you and you bounce back and forth between men and women a lot. Like you've, you've bounced back and forth between the things like what has been your experience has been like kind of the differences between coaching men and women because you've done it in pretty a regular fashion over the last few years. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I started coaching high school boys and, and like that was where I started. Like it was all I coached exclusively on the boy side pretty much um and i just think that sometimes on the boys side you almost or even on the men's side you have to put up a little bit more of a front or a little bit like you got to be a little bit tougher on them not that you're not tough on, on i mean i'm i'm pretty tough on my on my team and they would probably tell you that especially this year that i've been tougher on them but like you almost have to be coarser, harsher with men's players. Cause you have to, they, you have to like, almost, I feel like you almost have to set the tone of like, you're a coach, you're, like, you're the coach, you're in charge. Um, uh, and, but I think the, the game is, the game is a little bit different too. Um, and I think anyone who says otherwise, I, I just think is, is fooling themselves. I mean, there's definitely different things that, you can do in the women's game tactically and there's different definitely different focuses you can have on the the in the women's game uh tactically and technically that can make a big difference um yeah. that you don't necessarily no, focus on in the men's game so yeah no absolutely and like i say like the, the thing i said is like i was like i say they're they're very similar games but like i the one thing i always said is like if you take the average height of the female soccer athlete and the average height of the male soccer athlete those are two vastly different things. If you take the average 40 time of the male athlete compared to the 40, so you're just dealing with different stipulations on the exact same dimensions of a field. Like it's the one sport that has no dimensional differences between, I shouldn't say the one, but like basketball is a smaller ball, softball and baseball are completely different balls. Um, volleyball, the net's a different size. Like there's, there's a lot, like there's always a stipulation that changes. Like soccer, it's the, it's identical. There's not a single difference in rules, dimensions, anything to the game. Yeah, there's programs that play. I mean, if you have a men's and a women's program, you're typically playing on the same field, which has the same yardage of layout or, um, you know, I mean, I, I this could dovetail in a different conversation because I know I know your opinion on it because of Twitter. But I mean, in coaching the women's game, I focused way more at different times on set pieces versus yeah. the men's game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Sean would be on my side with that. Oh, absolutely. You know what it is. Dude, I, I, I just really, uh, I mean, at Wyoming when I was there, we ran like, we had so we had so many different corner sets, and we were good on them. Um, and you probably scored goals on them, too. We did, but it also helped that we had like, uh, you know, like a 6'2". I remember when I went, when I showed up to Wyoming's campus, like I'm 5'10", and like eight of the girls on the team were taller than me. So I was like, oh, man, this is. So this Jesus. is division one. This is division one soccer. All right. What is it with kids out there? Cause I'm recruiting a girl from Idaho right now. It was like five eleven, And like, I'm like still not fully mentally prepared to have a girl on my team taller than me. 
Dude, they have they have athletes out in that that western that western range area. I mean, yeah. we, I I love recruiting Wyoming. Like we gotta, we, you know, we we some of the some of our some of the better players I've coached in college have been Wyoming kids. So. Yeah. No, it's you wouldn't think nuts, you wouldn't but... you wouldn't think you wouldn't think that because it's similar to North Dakota, but. Yeah. It, no. It, it. No. It's funny. Yeah. No. It's it's definitely been different. Um. For you, like when uh, when you're like starting to make that transition to being a head coach, like like what were your first few years like at Wayne State uh, before you got on as a head coach? Uh, the first year was crazy because I got hired um, like seven days before the season started, and I was living in a dorm, and I couldn't find an apartment uh, until like the day before season started. And so I didn't have any of my stuff. So I was sleeping on an air mattress, which reminded me of being at the University of Wyoming again. Um, so that was good. Uh, and I was on the road all the time. Um, but it was good. It was just changing a lot, like changing the culture with Bruce. And like that was, I'll, I'll be honest, my, my two years on working under Bruce were just awesome. I mean, like he's a great guy um and he's a really, really good coach. And so like that was really fun for me, like the first two years even though our first year we weren't very successful or weren't as successful in our second year, we were really successful, which obviously makes things more fun if you like to win, um, which I do. Um, yeah. But, uh, but which I think every coach does. I don't think there's a coach there that would say they don't like to win, but, uh, um, but it, it, it was enjoyable, but it was also just a, like a lot of learning curves because um, uh, coming from the university of Mary, which is a private school, Versus coming into a Nebraska State College System school, uh, there's the paperwork is about triple, and the processes are like triple to do everything. Um, so, but it, it was good. It was just, it, and then recruiting was different. We had to just flip how we were doing recruiting. Like you couldn't just say, "Oh, well, we're trying to recruit better players." Um, we like we really had to try and like really go for better players um, because we wanted to try and get better quicker. Um, So it was just, it was a lot of learning and it was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of work. I mean, I put in a ton of time my first year, especially like I didn't feel, I didn't feel caught up until right before Bruce left for you and I, and then I fell off and I went all the way back to being behind again because I was by myself for three months as the interim coach. Um, But, but yeah, that was, that like I was like we were like all right we're caught up and then Bruce is like I'm going to UNI and I was like cool we're not caught up anymore. <laughs> so. That's awesome. I actually met uh, I met Sarah this summer at working the University of Iowa camp. I I, I didn't re- realize that you were at U Mary. Yep. Yeah. No, Sarah. So I worked for Dave, um, Sarah's husband, uh, who's on the men's side. Yep. Um, and that's who I started coaching college with because I was a student assistant before I went to be a volunteer assistant at Wyoming. Um, and Dave was who was my U13 coach way, way, way back in the day. And he was like, I think I think he was like 20 probably or 19 when he was my coach. Um, and then, you know, I, I left Bismarck for a couple of years, which was really, really good for me um, to see a lot of different soccer stuff. And then, you know, to come back and be able to be a graduate assistant for a year and a half with uh with uh sarah was really good um just to learn learn a lot of different things and and kind of see you know learn from her in the transition of the program too um because she is she i think i was with her in her third year so it was to see how 
and they're and they and they've done like she's done awesome the last few years with with kind of completing that thing and shit that's kind of what she told me like she's she's been pretty reassuring to me of just like keep remaining confident in yourself and and keep recruiting the kids that you want there and it takes time to build stuff like you're not just going to recruit one class of kids and it's going to be different or it's going to be you know quote unquote the team that you want it to be like you have to you have to get through a few classes before you get what you want out of your group and and she's proven that and so it's kind of just it's been really nice to hear from her like that her saying that so yeah for sure what was i'm I'm really interested what was the process like going from being the assistant the head coach did it just like did they give it to you or did it was something that like you had to go to an interview multiple times you were in he he walked into the ad and was like listen There's only one person for this job. And you yeah. had him. So I'm just going to go wish. take the interim tag off my nameplate and get this thing going. I wish I was that confident. I was like, I remember, I remember uh, after he left, I'm like, all right, we still got spring season stuff to do because it was February. It was right after signing day. So I'm calling all our kids who had just signed the week before being like, listen, I'm going to try and get the head coaching position, but you know, nothing's promised. And I think the AD kind of wanted to see how I would do and react and everything. So recruiting was super hard. And like, again, state college wise, it didn't move very fast um, on what they decided to do. Uh, They ended up deciding just to open it up internally. So only members of the state college system could apply for it, which, you know, essentially means that I was going to get it. But I didn't find that out for like a month and a half. Um, and uh, I we had like five kids on campus in one day. And because I was by, there by myself, I was like utilizing our players who were like rock stars during that month uh, like with kids coming on campus. So they were helping with tours and like killing time with players and answering questions of players and parents. And then like after all five kids left, I was sitting out in the lobby, just like completely exhausted. And my AD comes down and sits down and he goes, hey, so this is what we decided to do. So congratulations. And I was like, I was like really happy, but I was also like, I'm really too tired to even be that happy about this. <laughs> hey, hey, come back tomorrow, my guy, and talk to me. And then I went to Vegas because I had a Vegas, I had a vacation to go to Vegas. Yeah. Not actually for, so I went to Vegas and I got to celebrate that. Um, and then I came back and my athletic director asked me how Vegas was and I said I'm really glad you gave me the head coaching position because I did not do very well in the terms of the uh blackjack tables so I needed that uh, <laughs> I needed that raise but um it was you know it was good and then it took a little bit to hire my assistant uh Alex Pekarski uh who's now actually at Hastings College um in Nebraska and so it was still just like that transition of trying to do everything by yourself which sounds I know it sounds like you know, there's a lot of coaches out there at collegiately who do things by themselves or with part-time assistants or, you know, you know, limited help, but it's really, you get spoiled when you have two full-time coaches doing things. And then all of a sudden you go down to one full-time coach and you're like, Oh crap, this is a lot of work. <laughs> um, so it was nice to finally get Alex in and that's when things started to kind of even out. But yeah, the process wasn't, uh, I was pretty stressed. Uh, definitely like went to the dentist. He's like, yeah, you're grinding your teeth when you sleep at night. And (laughs) like, 
I, I like I, I was like freaking lost a bunch of weight and not because I was being like super healthy. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it was it ended up working out and uh, I'm pretty happy that it did. But it was yeah, definitely a stressful time in my in my in my coaching life, probably similar to similar to when I started at Wyoming. But I did I did tell my AD, look, man, you're legit killing me. I'm about to go to the doctor. <laughs> Dude, I just just I'm make me you. the job. I'm telling you, I had to get a freaking mouth guard to sleep at night because I was grinding <laughs> my teeth. Like, I you know, Dennis is like, oh, we're putting this on your insurance plan? Nah, build this school. Yeah. I'm like this 28-year-old being like, yeah, I've never grinded my teeth in my life. P.S. I need a mouth guard to sleep at night right now. <laughs> like, I felt super cool doing that. Um, it's not often that we have people on the show who have – have worked for somebody who's been on the show before. And, you know, we kind of got into Bruce a little bit earlier. Um, you know, what, what's some of your memories and, and things that you, you've taken away from your time uh, working under Bruce that, you know, you still find yourself using to this day? Well, the, the one funny story I have about Bruce is I didn't know Bruce before I interviewed for the job. Um, I got connected with a mutual friend of ours and, uh, I, I didn't. And I, so I talked to people who knew him or knew about him. And I remember one of my friends goes, yeah, when you see Bruce, like he's, he's you're not going to, he doesn't look like a soccer coach. Cause he's so like, and I was yeah. like, okay. Yeah. I was like, yeah, whatever, dude. And then they got, then when I met him and he got out of his car, I'm like, holy, you are very big. Yeah. <laughs> and, First, I, he had mentioned that like when we did the show with him and I still had yet to meet him. And then we were at the camp last winter together. And he was like, "Hey, Sean." So I was like, "You are huge." <laughs> and he was and, like, well, uh, you know what? "He's like, I'm trying to lose weight." I'm like, "No, man, I'm not talking about that. No, you are humongous." Tall. Yeah, he's he's tall, tall guy. And but like the interview was awesome. And then I I go into his office to sit down and talk. And he's a diehard Minnesota sports fan. Um, he's a Viking, so Vikings fan, and I'm a Packers fan. Um, yeah, and uh, and. He goes, you a football fan? I was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and I just like, and then, uh, and then after he hired me, I was like, oh yeah. Uh, by the way, when I came into the office first day, I was like, by the way, I'm a Packers fan. I didn't want to tell you that on the interview. <laughs> so, um, but just some of the, uh, you know, some of the things that I I learned from Bruce that I that I've still taken with is just um, like uh, when I evaluate the game, like just how I evaluate like like reflecting on the game of, you know, kind of thinking about how we did as a team, but then also trying to pick out like the top performers or maybe the performers who didn't play up to their standards. So it was always, we always did top three, bottom three. And he even texted me that like during my first year as the head coach, I'd be texting him about our games that weekend. And he'd always just reply top three, bottom three. Cause he would want to know, cause he knew all the players in our program still. Um, and so just like little things like that, or, um, you know, how to organize a training session, uh, how to hold individual meetings with players, even how to do like, I, I still, I still use his senior exit interview. Um, like the questions he uses for, used for the senior exit interview, just cause I liked them and they were simple. Um, so just the little things like that. I wish I was probably as organized as he was because his office was really clean when he worked there. And my office looks like I like clean my office like once a month, like pick up all the papers and notebooks You're beating and stuff. Nick. <laughs> oh, my office is horrible. Dude, my office and my car 
are a disaster and like I feel bad when recruits come into my office and like parents are always like oh it just means you're busy and I'm like yeah that's what that means (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't mean that I have just spent zero effort trying to organize it it looks like I my desk looks like I laid like I took like a paper bomb and like set the bomb off and just like blew papers all over my desk and like with but then I know where everything is but then I have Mm -hmm. like my friend I know who my friends who are athletic trainers will come into my office and they'll move stuff on my desk and then I lose it. That's why I lose it. At least that's what I tell. I tell myself that (laughs) that people moving stuff on my desk. So like, honestly, it throws me off. Like I had a, I had our girls mess with me now because they'll move stuff around. And again, my office is a mess, but like, I know where the mess is. And so like, if, if I need to find something and they moved it, I have no idea. Like, there's no organization other than I know where the things are that should be where they are. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I just, I, especially during season, I can't keep my head screwed on straight. I left my wallet at the grocery store yesterday. Thankfully like Wayne's a town of 5,000 people. So the per like the grocery store manager is Facebook friends with me. And she just like, messaged me <laughs> on Facebook. I feel like that's a Facebook <laughs> friend. Everyone needs to have. Yeah, it was, it was great. She's like, Hey, you left your wallet at the grocery store. And I was like, cool. Like, good job. <laughs> you know, so, um, but yeah, that's, that's my office and the players know that my office is a disaster zone, but sometimes <laughs> it's their fault. So I just, you know, I, I you can just tell people that, uh, you know, all the papers on your desk are for when it's a late night and you don't want to go home. You just sleep on the table. Oh, uh, that, that, Hey, that's the one thing. Speaking of that, that's the one thing I always told myself is that's the time I'd get out of coaching, man. Like I, I just, I won't sleep at the office. I'll stay up all night at the office, but I just, I, I can't do it. There's, there was football, co- there's football coaches who do it. There's football coaches who have done it at Wayne state. When I was at the university of Mary, my roommate who was a football coach at the university of Mary, he's like slept at the office. And I was just like, no, nah, man, I got to sleep. At least I got to sleep on my couch at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Um, you know, kind of getting yourself going in that that first time as, you know, becoming the head coach and you, you get your, your assistants in, you know, what were the things that, you know, we had talked earlier about the things that you thought, okay, well, this is how I'm going to do it when I get there. But then you realize like, oh, like the way things were done this way is, is good for us. What were those things that you wanted to implement that you have implemented into your program since you've taken it over? Um, hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I don't have so many so take them when you can get them. Um, I think one of the things we've implemented more is um, I just think more more player ownership. And it's not necessarily that we weren't doing that with Bruce. It was just that it was slowly getting that way. Um, like now, it, it's like you know, record aside of however we finish this year, like I have a great group of seniors in the sense that not all of them are starters, not all of them play major minutes, but all six of them like know their role, not just on the field, but like in the team and they just own it. And then my juniors are already starting to to start. Like you can already start to see some of the juniors and sophomores who are like, all right, yeah, you're going to be the captain next year. Like with that. And it's not even like me telling the team that, so-and-so is involved with this, so-and-so is involved with that. Uh, 
just like how we how we how I've wanted to do things and carry how the player I want the players to carry themselves with each other um being like having some continuity there has definitely helped with that and that's been something like I've always wanted to implement but you need continuity to implement it um the other thing that we've implemented more um is we do a lot more volunteering in the community um we just part of it was like neither Bruce or I knew any anyone in the community when we first moved here and then our first year we were just working the whole time and then by the time we started to get out in the community the second year you know Bruce left and then so then now we're we're volunteering more and that's definitely been good for our players and good for our program um and then just different little travel things I guess like I I can be kind of particular when we travel like I'm not a big eat in a restaurant guy. Like I like to get things ordered ahead of time. I like to or cater to the hotel or or something like that. So just like time saving things and and what we do on recovery days and what we do on you know how we manage kids on you know we play Friday Sunday Mondays off. How we manage kids on Tuesdays like the high minute players um, and just kind of doing stuff like that and 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 just getting more involved stuff like using programs like soccer pulse and 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 doing more stuff like that i think is is stuff that we've really implemented that we probably didn't when i was the assistant coach and i was always like this is a cool idea and then it would kind of just like go be like yeah joe that is a cool idea (laughs) (laughs) what's what's what you or go ahead i think my head coaches did that i think my head coach was like yeah that's a good idea and then they just like let me feel good that it was a good idea and then they didn't <laughs> do whatever they wanted <laughs> what's been uh, your experience so far with soccer pulse you know they're good friends of the show uh what, what's your experience been like with them i really like it um the the part that's i really wish we only played one game a weekend because i think it would be <laughs> easier to manage because it's like i mean some of our players are just always like some of our girls are just like always fatigued um and it's not even because they're unfit it's just because we play so many games um but it's been really good to just say like i think uh, men's or women's players of any age you know a lot of times they don't think to communicate with the coach but soccer pulse is a really easy thing that if you see someone's stress level is spiked or someone didn't sleep like if you catch them at practice you can be like hey what's going on i mean like and even now the players are starting to get into the habit like one of our girls who is going through the application process of medical school, you know, she like rated her sleep super bad. And she, and she says that, and then she comes and gets me before practice starts, like while we're warming up and she goes, coach, I just want to let you know my sleep number was super high because are super bad because I had a nightmare that I didn't get into medical school uh, last night and I stayed up and I only got like three hours of sleep. So like, like stuff like that is like it's teaching them to be more communicative or communicative. Um, I just don't know how to. I just don't know how to change the load management part of it during season because uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, what's it? What's it been like for you guys with your season starting later this year at the Division Two level? Um, it's just been really odd because we had fought, like in the first five weeks of the season. We played, you know, we had exhibition the first week, one exhibition the first weekend, one exhibition the second weekend. Um, and then we could play, and then we played two games in one weekend, and then one game in another weekend. And I told my assistant, I'm like, these first five weeks, we've played five games, three of them that counted. 
And now the next five weeks, we're going to play 10 games that are our conference games. And all of them count and all of them matter a lot. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's so hard to, like, transition players into that. Not even just physically, but mentally. As, like, a freshman, you're asking kids, like, hey, we play one game a week. And then we played five games, or we played five games in five weeks, and now you're going to play, or three games that count in five weeks, and now you're going to play ten games that count in five weeks. Yeah. P.S. You're also going to take eight-hour bus rides to some of them. And it's just, like, to expect kids to be mentally and physically prepared for that, no matter how fit you are or how strong you are mentally, is just, it's insane. So that's been the big difference I noticed. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that was the crazy thing about looking at the Division II schedule this year. It was like, we've all played more games than you guys at the Division Three level this year. Yep. Like, and it's nuts. Like, you guys are five games into your season. We're eight, you know, and we got nine and ten on Saturday and Sunday this week. Well, and it made scheduling exhibitions crazy hard because we have a lot of NAIs down in our area. They started, like, ten days before us. Like, yeah, some some of them were ready to play their counter games. And I'm like, we just want to play an exhibition like we can't play you in a counter game. Um, yeah. So it, it's and then next year it normalizes a little bit more. But it's just yeah, uh, it, I think scheduling is beating a dead horse for college soccer because I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's further away from getting better than we think it is. But we'll see. Yeah, for sure. No, but. And, like, for you, like, and we've talked a little bit about, like, your transition, but, like, as a head coach now, what has it been like over the last few years, like, just with what you're trying to do and how you feel the program's going and what direction you want to take it? I, I think it's going well. Like I said, this this year um, we have a really good group of players and a good group of kids. Um, I guess I shouldn't call them kids, I guess, because they're older than 18. But I, call, good I call all my kids kids. I got in trouble. Like, I shouldn't say I got in trouble because now they call themselves it. But, like, I was watching – like, we were playing Central second game of the year, and I like I watch way too much Liverpool. And I, I yelled out, like, Same. Yeah, boys, go. And, uh, like, now they call themselves the boys. Like, if I, oh, I no. say, like, all right, all right, bring it in. They're like, all right, boys, bring it in. I'm like, you guys are just – you. Are- <laughs> So they no, I uh, the boys now. We have, we have a. Oh, that's my player. I say so many dumb things off, like just because I'm like mush brain right now. And, um, but you know, we're going, we're heading in a good direction. I think we just always fart, fight some battles, um, you know, funding wise and everything like that. But like, I think those can be reasons. And I always, I think my assistant coach says it best to the players and it said, you know, we can make things like there can be reasons that we're not where we want to be but like we can't make those be excuses because that just stops us where we want to go yeah um, but I'm really happy with where we're going I mean for myself as a head coach I think I've really grown in the sense of um I think my first two years I was so worried about being too hard on the players and even like where I'd be like quote-unquote mean to them and then I would apologize for it and then I remember one of my players who's now a senior um she her it was the best feedback I got at the end of the year meetings because I always ask for their feedback to me um that's like what I the first question I ask before we even get into talking about them and she goes stop apologizing to us (laughs) and I was like what and she goes sometimes we need to hear that we weren't good enough and she's like you're never too mean about it so she's like stop apologizing because you're letting us off the hook 
And you're, she's like, you're not letting all of us off the hook, but you, you're allowing some players to think like, oh, that was actually okay. Joe's not frustrated or disappointed with how we performed or what we did. She's like, so stop apologizing to us. Like, we'll let you know if you step over the line on, on what you say or how you do things. And, and it's been true. And so they've been, and that was like a, that was like the best piece of feedback I've ever gotten from a player. And that's why I think it's so important as a coach that you ask for feedback from your players, because you're cert- like you're trying to serve them the best you can. And like, I would never have known that. I just thought I was being mean and I needed to apologize. And they're like, no, like get, stay on us. Cause that's how we get better. So um, that's something I definitely learned. Um, and I think by learning that, we've kept the right kids in the program, um, which has been good. So uh, definitely like where we're going and, and, and I'm excited about our 2020s and, and all that stuff and, and recruiting has been good and everything like that. And, this, and Wayne state's a good school and we're, we're pretty lucky with what we have here. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Like with, um, with what you're doing out there, like is, like, what would you say is the number one thing that makes it easy to recruit to Wayne State? Uh, the cost. <laughs> the okay. cost to go to the cost to go to school here. I mean, nowadays that is a gift. Dude, when I tell people the cost, like, so like our in-state tuition is like, like in-state tuition, room, board, books, fees, everything is like sixteen thousand dollars for the year. Um, and it's really easy to get in-state tuition, especially when you're recruiting uh, female athletes, because it's a three point two. 3.25 GPA, 21 ACT, or, or top half of your class. So it's one of those three. And there's very few female athletes that don't hit one of those three. So, um, you know, uh, it becomes really affordable and you can stretch your scholarship dollars further. And then our program has also done a really good job and our school has done a really good job of producing kids out of science majors that go on to medical school and dental school and PT school. So we've been able to show players and kids and families that we can do that. They can play soccer and do that. Um, and so, and, but now I've, I've breeded kind of a problem because now I have a bunch of kids who are like really, really smart and take a lot of really hard classes um, and really hard scheduling. I mean, our kids are in like analytical chemistry and, you know, all those biomedical stuff i don't even know man i i'm so bad at those type of science and math classes so <laughs> but that that's like the number one draw and i just think we also have i think we have sneaky good facilities we have a really good locker room we have a turf and a grass field uh we're getting a turf indoor surface uh this winter um you know wayne uh wayne nebraska that goes by the nickname wayne america it's what's painted on the water tower it's it's small town America. We still don't have a Walmart, so it really is true small town America. That's impressive. And, uh, yeah. Um, so, and and it's a even though it's small town and it's, it's it's a little isolated, it's not that far away from a lot of you know bigger population areas that are easy to get to, you know, like Omaha and Sioux City's over a hundred and some thousand people, and so it, it's a, it's a good location and it's a definite improvement weather wise from when I was living in North Dakota. So that's yeah, that, that doesn't take much to North. It's brutal. It's brutal. I don't think anyone understands until you, you go there in February. 
I have this thing of like, I want to travel to all 50 states before I turn 50. And like, there are just some states I'm like, absolutely no. Like, dude, go to the Badlands, North Dakota, North Dakota Badlands, Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt National or Teddy Roosevelt State Park. When it's warm, I will. How yeah. About that? Yeah. Oh, well, of course. Yeah. Don't go. Yeah. Don't go like go in June or July. <laughs> it for sure won't snow in June or July. I can't promise that it won't snow in May. Ooh. Ooh, I, yeah, my last experience of snow in May, I was not happy, and I was like, "All right, I'm leaving. This is this is not going to work." Well, um, we, go ahead. No, no, we. It's funny what people consider bad weather and cold weather and snow in Nebraska versus North Dakota. I'm like, I got in trouble for going into work on a snow day my first year at Wayne State. <laughs> You're like, this is nothing for me. I was, they're like, campus is closed, and I was like, but I could drive here. <laughs> <laughs> In, in my I, Honda Civic, <laughs> I you know I think about things like that with um, you know various places when they have snow, and if you get these people who are from uh, you know regions of the country where you know a certain type of weather is is typical, and you know you're used to it, and whatever. And um, like I know, like in uh, like in Michigan, I know my father-in-law always jokes like he never he rarely cancels school. He's like we're used to it, like. You just drive in it, you know, let us get the roads clear and we'll drive through it. Um, So that that kind of makes me laugh about people who are like are used to that. And then if a campus happens to close down and you're like, no, like this is nothing. I'm so good. I like that. Like my Honda Civic's going to get through it. I like that part. (laughs) Hey, if you drive fast enough, you can get through almost any snow. (laughs) I don't know. I saw some people driving fast up north in my time up there and uh, they all ended up on the side of the road. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's probably true. (laughs) But, <laughs> Nick, I told uh, I told Chloe that I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm I'm recording a podcast tonight with Michaela's coach," and she's like, "She's like, oh, you're gonna have to shoot me that link." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm probably not gonna do that." <laughs> but I lost the. Hey, Sean, you retweeted that tweet, so now I have to be in a TikTok with one of my players. Oh yeah, have some of that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like compiling options for me to choose from. And I'm like, these are all terrible. (laughs) Okay. They may be terrible to you, but they're probably not terrible to people of their age. Dude, I can't dance like that. Like some of these moves that they're trying to pull. I'm like, no chance. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you just go rogue and do whatever you want to. That's probably what I do. I told them they could, we we could do the cotton eye Joe TikTok. (laughs) That that oh. that matches perfectly. No, I want to see. I I I don't I don't have TikTok, but most people just like save their videos and then post them. Right. Um, so right. We, we definitely want to see that one when it comes out. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's. Oh, I've been I've been getting tweeted at by like. The problem was my friends got a hold of the tweet. Like enough <laughs> people enough people retweeted it that like some of my friends from high school and college got a hold of the tweet and then they started retweeting yes. it and I'm like. Like Chloe was like, oh, there's people from Bismarck retweeting my tweet. And I'm like, <laughs> cool. Great. <laughs> oh, man. That's why like, I I figured out early on, like, I am never going to post like, hey, if I get this many retweets, I'm going to do this. Or, hey, if a player or somebody says, like, hey, how many retweets for you to do whatever? I'm never going to do it. Dude, I, I can't get them to retweet stuff on our like Wayne State soccer account. Like, <laughs> hey. Come out for the game that you're playing in. Maybe retweet that. No, but we'll retweet when coach has to be in a TikTok video. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like... You should make them the deal, you know, when when it all goes through and you got to do the video. I think the deal should be if I do this video, 
every one of you for the rest of your time here has to retweet everything that our team account puts out. Oh, I, I give my players crap all the time because all of a sudden it'll be like they're juniors and all of a sudden it's like so-and-so just followed you on Twitter. I was like, <laughs> like not my personal account, our soccer account. And I was like, what have you been doing the last two years? <laughs> oh goodness. I, that's, uh, I'm, I'm excited for, I, I am probably more excited for the TikTok than you are. Uh, everyone is. My brother tweeted at my brother. My brothers are talking about it. They're like, "When when's the TikTok being released?" I'm like, "Just relax." Absolutely awesome. Uh, you know, soccer chat's all about getting coaches connected and, and networking together. If there's somebody who is listening to this and you know they want to contact you and, and get in touch with you, maybe share some ideas or or maybe uh, you know they just want to kind of ping your uh, ping some some things that you've done in your time uh, at Wayne State. Uh, what are ways that they can get a hold of you? Uh, I mean, I'm on, uh, according to my players, I'm on Twitter too much. So at underscore Joe Cleary. Um, and then you shoot me an email at, uh, my school email, Joe, J O C L E A R one at WSC.edu. Like, I don't know. I'm a big, I'm a big believer in helping other coaches. Cause I truly wouldn't be the head. I, I got named the head coach at Wayne state when I was 28. And that happened because, I mean, I know I worked hard, um, and I think I put myself in good positions, but I also had a ton of, you know, like a like you know, ten to twelve, really awesome people who were super supportive as coaches for me um, throughout my journey. So like I hope, you know, my student my old student assistant coach is now a high school coach in Omaha, um, and I'm super excited about that because it's cool to kind of pay that forward, and um, I'm hoping that. You know, if I can help other people do that, that that that's kind of that'd be awesome. So absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We want to wish you and your team best of luck the rest of this fall as you guys uh, start getting ready for conference play and and head into uh, to things later on in the fall. Uh, thank you for to, to seeing you guys progress. Yeah, I still have never found my big green DVD. The, the still, oh, my thief gosh. Is still, thief is still at large. <laughs> this is this is how we're this is how we're going to end this interview. Uh, so if you have an extra copy of the big green, uh, you can send off to Joe or, uh, if you still have, I, I don't even, do they even still do, uh, DVD burners like on computers? Is that still a thing? I don't think anybody uses DVDs anymore. Uh, but if, you have, if you happen to have a DVD burner, I actually, I had like a, um, I had one on my old tower. Um, and then I also had one that I could like plug into my TV, uh, and burn DVDs that way. Uh, but uh, unfortunately for you, I lost that both of those in a flood uh, two uh, years ago. I remember ago. that. Um, yeah. So I can no longer uh, I can no longer get you the big green DVD. Isn't it? I, did I say it was on Netflix now too? It, it might be. So now I, I remember I got it on DVD and I was going to show my coaching soccer class that I teach in the spring. Oh yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I, and I told them that it. Then I told them that it got stolen, and they were all like pretending to be disappointed that I was canceling class for the next two days because we couldn't watch it, <laughs> and I didn't have anything planned. But they like weren't actually disappointed. I was like, "You guys kind of suck." <laughs> Anybody who doesn't want to watch the Big Green is horrible people. Um, I'm sorry, but that's that's still got it. That's still one of the top soccer movies of all time. And one of the best soundtracks too. Like I feel like people like don't remember how good that soundtrack was. You do sing uh the song from the rain scene quite often. Yeah, but I believe Yeah. I believe. <laughs> it's a great 
great song. I haven't seen that movie in like four years, but that song is awesome. <laughs> so. Oh man. Well, okay. We'll 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 end it with the big green talks. So that way, you heard Joe's uh, you heard Joe's information. Get him a big green DVD. Get him a copy of it somehow, some way, so his classes can finally check it out. Uh, Joe, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Can I get you maybe even three of these coming from a space to teach you what the Pleiades can't stop the spirits when they need you. This life is more than just a read through. It's fun because like I like I feel like we do this because I, I like spacing these ones out because Joe has been such a great person and really big advocate for our Wednesday night chats. And we've known Joe for a while at this point. But it's it's hard because you don't want to always do the people that are immediately on the Wednesday night chats all the time. You want to like space them out a little bit so we get to get to talk to all these people that we've come to know um, throughout the years on the chats. But I was super excited to to talk to Joe and just really get to hear his story. And I I love his story. I like. I mean, we, we I forget you asked us to someone the other day um, about when they knew they wanted to be a coach and. I don't remember the last time we had a person that didn't go into playing first. You know, I didn't go play mm-hmm. college soccer and then become a coach. I, I, as soon as you said that, I started thinking, um, didn't Jeremy Handler go straight to coaching? Cause he didn't I, play in college. Daniel Charbonnier, did, Daniel Charbonnier did not play in college, but he went straight to coaching. Um, and I feel like there's one more, but I, those two, I know, I'm pretty sure Jeremy said he didn't play in college. Um, and then and I, and just knowing Daniel as well as I do, I know for a fact Daniel didn't play in, in college. Um, but he, he even said on the show, like he went to college to become a college soccer coach. Yeah. Uh, I, I too, like for me, it's always great to, and I know I say this every time that we have somebody on the show that's been on the Twitter chat is I love getting that voice of the words that I read uh every week and being able to put a voice with the tweets and and get a, a personality and and put with the tweets as well and like you said Joe's been one of our biggest advocates uh since the Twitter chat started and and just so happy to finally get his story out there for everybody and for like and for me to know because I I don't I don't know Joe and if to get to actually speak with him tonight talk to him uh you know we didn't get to uh um, go about it on the show, but he kind of reminded us after the interview, he's like, Sean, you know, like, or he's like, you know, Nick, like we just did a whole soccer chat. We didn't talk about Liverpool. Sean, we just did a whole soccer chat. We didn't talk about pro wrestling. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, how do I not know these things about people? So I'm, I'm good. I, if you know, if you are a soccer chat fan, uh, listener supporter, and you're a Liverpool fan, reach out to Nick, let him know. So that way you can talk about Liverpool. If you're a soccer, uh, chat person and you like pro wrestling, you get a hold of me. You let me know. Uh, and it's just, I, it's, it's crazy how these conversations work to where I'm sure you do it after uh, we get done with the interview and it's just like, Oh, like there's so many more things I wanted to ask about something that we didn't talk about. Oh yeah. And, and again, I, I think it's cool. I have actually met Joe before, but like it, I love just getting the opportunity to hear someone's actual story. I mean, we, when we just started doing this podcast forever ago at this point, one of the things that I think we decided was that, you know, we're going to be the podcast that talks about people's stories. And that was hearing his full story and talk about how he got to where he is right now is pretty sweet. Absolutely. Absolutely. So make sure to, uh, to hit up Joe, 
uh, on Twitter and, and get a hold of him and just, you know, let him know what you thought about the show. Um, I got to give a big shout out to uh, all the folks that have been sending me uh, their uh, team posters uh, from my one of my classroom walls. Uh, I've been posting them uh, when I get them on Twitter and uh, I've got some some good ones so far. And I think the crazy thing now is like knowing of how many people have reached out to me saying they're going to send me one. In the next like week, I I never I never get mail at my house. All mail goes to my wife, and then there are mail pieces that go to my kids. My kids get more mail than I do, and like for the last week, and I know it's going to be the same like for the next two weeks. I've just been like getting crazy amounts of mail uh, of of soccer college college soccer team posters, and it I love it. Like my kids like it in my classrooms. Um, our, my administrators they're like that's so cool. All these different colleges are sending you this. And I'm like, yeah, you know, soccer chat does pay at, at times. Oh, absolutely. So I think you need to have Reese design one for Monmouth and just send it to me and I'll FedEx make one my own. Dude, you, yeah, you got some sweet ones. Yeah. I, and the ones that I, that I know that are on their way, uh, I'm like, I'm really, really excited about. Um, and also like the graphic designer in me as well um, is excited about them. Like, because I like seeing what other graphic designers are doing and like matching up like, Oh, like here's what they did. Here's what I did. Oh man, I really suck. Um, so just kind of like the show, like it constantly reminds me of how much I suck, um, at, at what I do. Uh, let's see. Made the announcement a couple weeks ago. Uh, I talked with the head honchos this week at United soccer coaches and we, uh, are good to go on podcast row. They are excited to have us back. And I think we're even more excited to be back at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. It's going to be January uh, 15th through the 18th. Or six, I'm sorry, 16th uh, through the 19th. Um, and we will be at Podcast Row on the 16th uh, all the way through, I believe we have one show on Saturday. Uh, so that way Nick can get his time to, to run around on Saturday and and hit up the, the sessions and, and hang out with the folks. Um, so we've got some good things good things starting to be planned for you guys. Uh, we'll get the, uh, we'll get all that stuff out to you and, and let you make up your schedule. Cause I know like right now, if you get on their, um, to their registration, which is open, by the way, go register. Um, you can see a schedule and it's really kind of basic right now. There's not really any sessions or lectures that are up. There's just kind of like the meetings and things like that. Uh, but you know, as time goes on, we'll start getting our schedule out for soccer chat and, uh, you know, you can plug in the shows you want to come to. And that's the thing like this year we want, we want you to come to the show and, you know, you ask questions, uh, to, to our, uh, to our guests. And we, you know, we want to make it interactive, uh, and, and just get everybody involved that we can. And I know that Nick already is like possibly already packed his bags for Baltimore. Oh, I mean, let me get through my season first, but yes, I, other than that, <laughs> I'm totally on my way to Baltimore. So there's going to be a video that comes out as soon as Nick's season is over with, wherever that he may be at when that takes place. As soon as he gets home, he's packing his bags for Baltimore. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, I, I found it ironic the other night. I was kind of laughing at myself um, in our, um, like our close friends group text, and y'all were going on about your games. And, uh, I was just like, Oh, like I didn't have a game day. I was like, well, wait a minute. Hey, uh, the pink donkeys, the, they, they rocked it today. And like, everybody was kind of going on about everybody's game. Like, Oh, congratulations. Or oh, like, that's cool. That you did this. Or did this team do that? And I threw in the pink donkeys and our 
text went silent for, uh, I believe it was like 14 hours. And I was like, all right, nobody is fan of the pink duckies in here but me. Okay. All right. Sure. No, we, we do care. Uh, we just, I, <laughs> I imagine we were, <laughs> I have no idea. I'm it's sorry. Okay. That's... You, don't, you don't have to not, you don't have to care about, um, you six soccer. Uh, no, I mean, I like every single one of your wife's uh, posts and your posts on Facebook. But you also like everybody's posts on Facebook. Yeah, I'm just trying to be supportive. You know? <laughs> <laughs> even, though I'm not, even though I'm not looking at what it says, I'm just going to hit that heart button all the way down. Yeah, no, I just want to be supportive for all you guys. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you know, one way you can be supportive for us, that's a good segue there, Nick. Man, you're get, you, you are getting back into your segue master. Practice, a lot of practice. <laughs> Uh, you know, best ways that you can support us, share the links out when the shows come out. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy reading when you guys share out the links and telling us what you liked about the show. That really makes my day. Uh, leave us a five star rating and review on iTunes because, uh, you know, this is a listener supported podcast. Uh, so everything that you guys do to help us out, that is where we get our support from. Uh, so share the links out. You want to join the conversation? It's every single Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Just follow the hashtag soccer chat. Uh, you get in there, introduce yourself, and uh, get involved. Invite some friends. I, I'm trying to – I noticed tonight uh, when when we did the show or when we did the, the chat, um, I invited some people that had been on soccer chat before, and I invited some people who hadn't been on soccer chat before. And I, I'm telling myself from now on, like, I'm only inviting people who hadn't who hasn't done soccer chat before. Uh, so I'm going to try to get better at inviting new uh, faces and new blood into soccer chat. Um, you know, what's kind of your your um, the thing that you love the most about the Twitter chats? I think the the coolest thing for me, and again, it, it I and I've had to do this more recently is the fact that I get to see the answers a little bit later and like like and respond and interact with people afterwards there's every week there's been a new random person i've gotten to yeah. have a short combo with recently yeah it's uh I, I again i just um you know for me i i enjoy it because it's the same night same time every single week um and just you know provide so much information so much uh uh you know knowledge and 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 new ways to try things uh you know like i know one thing nick has always said that he enjoys is you know you can type your answer um and someone else has a completely different answer than you but that can open up that discussion of oh well why do you do it that way and when they explain it oh yeah like that makes sense like i, I kind of like that then you jot the idea down yourself and then you take it off and, and go into your own um you know nick if somebody wants to uh connect with you on twitter and have a discussion with you how can they do so at Coach N. Rizzo. What about you, brother? Mine is at Coach Soderling. Big shout out to our friends over at Dutic Brand, DutikBrand.com. Use the promo code SoccerChat. Our friends over at Torx, T O R R X.com, the greatest ball pump you can get. Soccer IQ, check them out on Twitter, Soccer IQ1. Shout out to Ellis Riley and the guys. They got great tactical things that you can use for your team uh, to quiz them and, and great little graphics and charts uh, and, and designs that will help your team get to that next tactical level. You know, the soccer chat, we do this thing, we talk, we talk, and the best part is that we get to do it again next week. He's Nick. I'm Sean. Nick, we'll catch you later. Catch you later, brother. I have a child that is screaming and crying in bed. I'm going to go. Have good luck. <laughs>
Can't Stop by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, dude, a man of my own heart. We're Liverpool fans <laughs> and Chili Peppers. And I see him like dude, seven we didn't, we didn't talk about Liverpool at all on soccer chat. Wow. I, I was know, trying to be nice because I know Sean's like a Chelsea, Chelsea <laughs> Yeah, guy, no, so. it, was, it was a rough go last week. Hey, Sean, you know what else we didn't talk about? We didn't talk any – we didn't say anything about pro wrestling. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's our trade-off. We didn't talk Liverpool. We didn't talk pro wrestling. Dude, Are you excited like, I mean, for next Wednesday? Dude, okay, I'll be honest. I haven't watched in a while, but I used to be huge. Like, and I'm not talking like when I was younger. I used to like probably three like or four three years weeks. ago. I, I thought it was going to be like three weeks ago was the last time I watched. No, I wish I knew more <laughs> what was going on. Like, I still catch up every every year for WrestleMania because me and one of my buddies every year because he, yeah. he lives about an hour and a half away from me. Um, I always make it that weekend that I go up and see his family because we always watch, watch WrestleMania. But, but so I always have to catch up around that time every year. But dude, when I was in college, that's <laughs> we would fool, we would foolishly pool money together to buy the WrestleMania on pay per view. Yes, yes. I mean, it's either beer money or WrestleMania. I you you have plenty of beer money throughout the year, but there's only one WrestleMania. 